How many people absolutely just love the Word of God? Love the Word of God, love to feast on the Word of God. I know I do. And we're going to dive in today, and I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to go back to where we once were a couple weeks ago in these verses. I'm going to read it to you in a slightly different translation than I did the first time. Uh, But we're talking about uh, a figurative picture of the human body and members of the body that are joined together to make up kind of one whole body and system that functions together. And Paul uses this analogy, as does Peter in the Bible, to describe how we as members relate to the family of God and the body of Christ. It's a great word picture that we can get in our mind to understand this principle that the Bible makes so clear. So 1 Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have, now listen to this, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Notice it's capital S there. We have a spirit ourselves. When it speaks about that, it would be lowercase s, but when it's capital S, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he's saying that we are baptized into one body by one spirit, capital S, and we share that same spirit, capital S. So yes, the body has many different parts and not just one part. So the point I want to draw out of this this morning is that it is the Spirit of God alone and the work of the Spirit of God that actually brings us together and makes us all a part of one family we would call the universal church. It's not a work of man that accomplishes that. It's actually something supernatural, that whenever we give our hearts to Jesus, we confess him as our Lord and Savior, we turn from the world and turn to living for God, the Bible makes it very clear all throughout Scripture that God breathes His Holy Spirit, His life into us, and we are born again, now alive spiritually. When that occurs, many things can be said. Of course, we now have the hope of eternity. We know that we're going to heaven after that. That's important to live this life with the knowledge of. It's called the assurance of our salvation. And we also become a part of the family of God that very moment that his spirit comes to live on the inside of us. Ephesians 2 says it's this way. It says, you were once strangers, foreigners, and far off from God, but by his blood, you have actually now been brought near, and we become a part of a dwelling place for God's spirit. Does this make sense? So it's just through the Spirit of God alone and the work of the Spirit that when we become a Christian, that now we are a part of the church, the universal church on the face of the earth. I know not all doctrines would necessarily teach it that way, but I'm telling you, according to what the Bible says, that when we are filled with God's Spirit, we are all one family on the earth now. And we are given expression... 
to that family in local churches, cities, regions, and areas, we begin to work out a very unique mission, each and every family, that God has us on assignment to do that are all serving the greater purpose of His kingdom. We are a part of one family. We're connected, we're joined, we're united. It's so important that we understand that. So we could say this, because I am now a part of God's family individually, as are you if you know Christ, you are the church. I could say it that way. It's it's not a building. It's not a structure. These things serve a purpose, but they're dust in the wind. They're going to be burned up one day, right? The, The church is about people that are God's family joined together. So we could say one person who carries the Spirit of God is now part of his family. That person is the church. And they can advance the kingdom of God through their life here on this earth. But we can also say that every single person on the face of the planet right now, billions of people who would profess to Christianity, we could say that the multitudes are the church as well. So it can be applied in different ways. We can look at it as one. One is the church and billions are the church. But what I really want to talk to you about today as we're discussing this this whole thing this month about taking your place in the family of God. Church, what I really came today to tell you and talk to you about is the power of two or three. The power of two or three. I think this perhaps might be one of the most underestimated vessels or structures. This earthen vessel today, God, to bring something of of value to the people through me. I could never do that apart from you. I know that. I am praying, God, for the anointing to preach your word and to teach it sharp and accurately today. I am so dependent upon that. And I pray that you would give every person in here ears to hear as if like spiritual ears and eyes would be up, unstopped and opened up today to peer into and gaze into wisdom of heaven that might have previously been unknown. And I come against any foul, evil, distracting spirit that would try to thwart or derail that effort. God, I come against that in Jesus' name right now. There would be no spirit of division, no spirit of confusion, no critical spirit, no spirit of fear, no manipulating spirit. Anything, God, that perhaps might have been brought in here today through what's happening in in people's lives, I come against and bind that in the name of Jesus Christ right now that your Word would be like pure seed falling on pure soil that's ripe and ready to receive the implanted word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So the power of two or three. The power of two or three. And I'd like to ask you to consider this throughout this message. The question, the ask, um, is as I go through a series of points of, of how the power of two or three uh, is at work in our lives, ask the question, is that happening in my life? Is the power of two or three in play? Is it really affecting my life right now the way it could be? Okay? 
So the first point, if you're taking notes, what does the power of two or three uh, enable us to do? Number one, it unifies. It unifies. It brings us together. People can get lost in a crowd. Would you agree with that? Um, Especially the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to kind of slip in and slip out. But the power of two or three makes it difficult for that to happen. It really does kind of force us into a place where we actually have to live our lives real, authentic, up close, and personal with other people. And that freaks some people out. (laughs) How, How many of you like to use filters on your pictures? Oh, you, that is not true. No, nobody looks that good all the time. <laughs> Glow in halos and stars. No way. You guys are all, look, filters are fine. Or take a breath. Okay, I'm like, is it a sin? Oh my God, I don't know. No, no, no. But we, we see this filters, right? It's like huge just since they've come out. And I guess what I want to try to say is that That's all great for social media and stuff, but it's not great for living our lives with people. People need the unfiltered version of you. I I frankly get exhausted thinking about trying to be a filtered version of myself all the time around other people. That would exhaust me. We need to feel the freedom and the security of what it's like to live the life of the unfiltered us in a collective group of people where we can be real and we can be better because of that. It unifies us and brings us together. So listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6. This is going back to the law that God gives Moses where he's establishing some things for relational life and community life. It says, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Jump down to verse 15 in Deuteronomy 19, and it says, one witness shall not arise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter may be established. So God had given Moses some governance instructions for how healthy community could flourish and prosper. And and there were certain things back in the Old Testament that were punishable by death. But what he's saying here is very, very important. He's saying that there is something that he has designed in the the group of two or three that, that brings a sense of unity that just one would not accomplish. Okay, And so when it came to bearing witness about a crime, God said, I don't want just one witness to come against one other person. We need the mouth of two or three to confirm it, which is really, really important, right? In fact, I would say from from a, aside from, of course, God's revelation from the Holy Spirit, there really isn't anything that should be more reliable than the witness or two of two or three Bible-believing Christians who are spirit-filled walking in unity. That should be able to accomplish and bear witness to anything. It even says in the New Testament that we shouldn't sue one another. 
Now, I know that's, we can wrestle with that a little bit in how our world looks today, but the reality is, is God has equipped his church to govern matters in society, and we should be able to work through differences in things without having to go to those extremes, is basically what he's saying, within the body and the family of God, because we're united. But the witness of two or three is very important. God inserts it, and he says, no, one won't do. Two or three are necessary for this thing. So I'm just trying to get you to see there are certain aspects of what God does that require two or three together in agreement, not just one. Does that make sense? In fact, I know one of the things, it's, it's kind of a, a pet peeve for me, um, but sometimes, and you've probably had this happen, where people will come up to you and they'll be like, uh, you know, some people were just saying, right, well, I just wanted to share with you, like, uh, uh, there are a couple, you know, there's some people that, are, that think this, or there's some people that are saying this, and I, hey, look, I don't, I am not above reproof, right, but here's, here's what I always say, who is it? Oh, well, you know, um, well, I just don't want to betray confidence, you know. And, and I'm just like, look, we can say that all day long, but I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. I, I want to know who's seen it because I believe in the credibility of two or three who are bearing witness. And if there's unity in that, then that speaks volumes to what we need to look into and how we need to address it. The power of two or three does much in the the body of Christ as God has designed it. Matthew 18, 16, it says, But if he will not hear, take with you two or more, that by the mouth of two or their end to sound. It means to say the same thing or to be in one accord. Right? It's actually where we get the English word symphony from. Symphony. Which means in tandem, in unity. Like, for example, when I sing, I always sing in the right key. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like it that you guys laugh so quickly at those things. But it means, it's where we get the English word symphony from. And so there is something significant that happens when, when two people or more, but all it takes is two, coming together and saying and speaking and believing for the same thing. God has put great importance upon this vessel of di- this dynamic within his family. Two or three can accomplish much. You know, when we, were, when we have times of prayer, intercessors meet before our weekend services. They come together every weekend. And we're very specific about the fact that we're praying in unity. It's important that we're praying for the same thing. And in that format, we're praying for the service, for the worship team, for the message, for those who are here uh, who are needing God, who are lost. We're praying for very specific things that involve that service and what's happening that day. So in that format, we're not just all praying a bunch of different things. We, we value the fact that everybody is coming together in agreement and praying for the same thing to happen. Does that make sense? So number one was it unifies. And let me say one last thing about that, actually. Um, Just like two or three coming together in agreement around what God has said or what God's promises are, what God is going to do, can establish something. It sets a foundation for walls to now go up. It establishes something. Just like two or three in agreement for what God says can, listen to me, we can also unknowingly put ourselves in places or environments where doubt gets established too. 
So I would say it this way. You should be careful to limit the environment of unbelief around you. You know when Jesus went in to heal the little girl that was dead? Remember that one? Talitha Kumi, the little girl arise, right? You know what he had to do? He had to tell everybody to get out of the room. Because <laughs> what were they saying? Jesus, you're too late. What are you here for? You're wasting your time. She's dead. They were even a little bit insulted that he was still trying to do something now that this girl was dead. And I mean, he's Jesus, right? He could do whatever he wanted to do, but he did something very intentional. He made everybody leave the room. He wanted to get the environment of doubt shut out from the space that he was getting ready to do a miracle in. We too need to be careful to limit the environment of doubt that might be surrounding us because that can establish things in our mind that conflict with what the word of God says too. And then they got to be dismantled and torn down. You know, you get what I'm saying. So number two is it strengthens. It strengthens us. We want to get confident in the mountain-moving abilities of the small collective. Now, certainly, we don't want to underestimate the significance of one. This message is not to do that. We know that one is powerful. One who is walking with the Spirit of God in them can also accomplish miraculous things. Joshua 23, verse 10. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised. Samson killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Yosheb Beshebeth, one of David's mighty men, killed 800 men at one time, and Abishai, another one of David's mighty men, lifted the spear against 300 men at one time. Shamgar, a judge, actually killed 600 Philistines at one time. And I'll give you one last example. Moses, one man, led over a million people, if you include women and children, out of Israel or out of Egypt and through the wilderness. God can do much through one. That is not to, to underestimate that, but it is also to put esteem on what God wants to do through just a small group of two or three. Isaiah 30 verse 17 says this, one shall flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you shall, th- oh I'm sorry, that's the wrong verse, uh, Leviticus 26, 8, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Do you see the multiplication now that happens when you move from one to two? It's amplified in the strength and effectiveness here. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, How one could chase a thousand and two could put 10,000 to flight. Wow. Amplified impact just going from one to two. I know there are a lot of people who like horses, like to ride and groom and raise and all that. I read this interesting piece one time where it was talking about how, you know, they get the term horsepower with vehicles. And back whenever horses were uh, primarily used for agriculture and, and work life around the farm and homes, they would be able to test and see that there was like 8,000 pounds that one horse could actually pull. Horse 
power. That was the capability. So it was assumed that two horses combined could pull 16,000 pounds of weight. But that actually was not true. When two were hooked together, they were actually capable of pulling over 24,000 pounds of weight. Why is that? Because there's something that happened when they were joined together and began going in the same direction that was greater just than the sum of the two combined. It was multiplied, not added. Am I making sense? So, so when two or three are combined in an effort that God is sending us on, it, it's, he's designed it this way. He wants us to come together this way, find community, advance his kingdom. There are things that get amplified in what he is doing in and through our lives. So the question I would encourage you to ask yourself on this one is, do I have people around me who are strong in the areas that I want to grow in? who are strong in the areas that maybe God is speaking to you about, hey, I want to shore that up in your life. Hey, I want to call you up to a higher place in this particular area. It would be important to ask the question, am I surrounded by people who are really strong and established in that area that I can hook in with and go in a direction with? Point number three is it advances. It advances the kingdom. It takes territory. From the enemy. Advances the kingdom of God, the reign of God's kingdom here in this earth, which is what he wants to do. Release the reign of the kingdom here in a broken world. Extend the borders to which we exercise that authority. Kingdom's already come, it's already been released. Jesus told us that. But he's looking for people who will come into agreement with that and then advance and exercise the reign of that kingdom through their lives here on this earth. Eventually, one day, the fullness of that will be realized by all of us and we'll be in glory and we'll know what it's like to have nothing but that everywhere all the time. But right now, we're actually supposed to be on a mission and assignment together as a family in small groups and into, you know, to advance that work that God wants to do around us here in the world. So Matthew uh, chapter 18 Verse 18, Jesus says this. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, (laughs) those are powerful words, folks. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He's saying the, re- the release of the greater kingdom will be demonstrated through your agreement in two or more. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. So God wants to use two or three in specific ways to advance his kingdom here on earth. Think about this. The disciples, once he sent them out, it says that when he sent them out, he sent them out with power over unclean spirits to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to cast out demonic spirits, all those things. He sent them out with power, but it says he sent them out in groups two by two. Wow. Now you can fast forward a little bit past that. We see this progression of Jesus' work. And after he had sent out the 12, it says that he gathered 70 
And he sent them out in groups two by two. And as they did, what were they doing? They were advancing the reign of the kingdom of heaven. People were being set free of demonic spirits and bondages, and they were now being allowed to live in a place of freedom and liberty because of the work that God was doing through them in small little groups. I'm just trying to build our faith today, church, that much can be accomplished just in two or three. Does our life dynamic express this? Do we have these small groups? You could say, yeah, we come to a church with lots of people on weekend services, but what does that look like through the week? What does that look like in other parts of your life outside of the two hours that maybe you're here on Sunday mornings? Are the, are the, is the power of two or three at work and at play in your life all week long in different environments that God wants to use you to advance his kingdom with? Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And he says this. He says, wherever you go, talking about extending the kingdom, he said, wherever you go, take that peace with you and release it into the environment. Do you know we have the authority to do that? That's really powerful. He says, I'm giving you my peace to settle the atmosphere, to bring a stillness and a calmness wherever there might be chaos going on. Jesus says, I'm leaving that with you. And you can take that with you, and you can release that anywhere you go when you're together. Just a couple of you, just release that. He says, and if your peace returns back to you, then just go on your way. But if it settles on that place, then that peace will invade that environment. And so when we're talking about the power of two or three, this is one of the things I want to encourage us to do, is to continue to take that ground and not relinquish any more ground. You know, one of the great privileges that we have right now and freedoms is to go in and sit down as a family or as a small group in a restaurant or a public place and to come together and pray and bless that meal before we eat. I want to say this with, with great sincerity. We cannot give that ground up. I mean, with what we see happening in our world today, it is not crazy to think that there could be a point where that would be... A, we would attempt to do that, and there would be people that would come up and say, hey, you, you can't do that here. We're gonna, if you do that again, we're going to have to ask you to leave. We're going to have to call the authorities. Then you see the sign when you came in, no prayer in this place, or you will be asked to leave. Right now, we have that right. We have that freedom. I'm just saying, we can't give that ground up. We have, and, and when we are doing that, we're doing more than just standing ground. We're releasing something into the environment and into the atmosphere. The kingdom of heaven is, is being moved through the work that we're doing just in a couple united people who are agreeing in what's being spoken. Point number four, the last one, is it protects. Groups of two or three, protect. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, Two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. 
There is safety and protection that God offers us in the small collective when we are doing life together. I made a point a couple weeks ago, if you were here, and I said that whenever the, there are flocks of sheep together and wolves come, that their instincts are to attack the outer edges. There may be a sheep that's kind of wandering off from the group, that's a little isolated or a little disjointed from the group, displaced. And the wolves will hit those edges. They won't go to the mass where there's safety and protection. They'll go out here where they can clip one off and bring it away. When, when we're trying to live a life where the Bible makes it clear, spiritual warfare is everywhere all of the time. And when we're trying to live a life in that kind of battle, but we get isolated off to the edge, we get pushed to the perimeter because we don't have those relationships, those, those people who are doing life with us, we become susceptible in ways to attacks from the enemy that do not exist when we are within the group, whenever we are within the flock. And the enemy knows that, and he tries to hit those edges. I could say it maybe like this. There, there is, uh, in, the, in the modern church today, especially in the United States, you know, there is kind of a view that's unhealthy, I think, where we could have this very casual relationship to church. It's just like, you know, like, like casual dating. I'm just going to kind of play the field, you know, I'm just going to kind of here and there or whatever. And that's very dangerous. That's very dangerous. No church is perfect. No church is perfect. So when you join the family, get ready to be around imperfect people. You know, I love it. Like when people come here for the first time, like, oh, this is wonderful and this is great and all that. I'm like, yeah, we're shiny and new, you know. You hang around long enough. I'll probably offend you. Katie definitely will. For sure. She bothers me every day. No, I'm just kidding. I love her to death. She's in my two or three. <laughs> All I'm asking you to do is to think about, I'm, I'm trying to help you be a mature Christian, right? When imperfect people are imperfect, let's stay connected still. Let's not pick up and run. What kind of commitment is that, right? Imperfect people will be imperfect. No church is perfect. But God makes it very clear that there is something of safety and protection to be found when we are joined to the rest of the family and community together. And I know I said something before, too, how we could be displaced, but that doesn't mean that we've been replaced, right? How sometimes people can be knocked out of position. I would say these are folks who have maybe suffered wounds and hurts from unhealthy leadership or unhealthy church community. I know that that happens. Sometimes those wounds and those hurts end up pushing people outside the fold. They get isolated and disconnected, which the enemy loves, is it unfortunate that it happened? Yes, it absolutely is. But is the recourse to separate and isolate? No, absolutely not. We stay joined in healthy community. And here's what I have found. This is absolutely amazing to me, is that God wants to and will often take the very thing 
an unhealthy perspective that created the wound and the hurt or drove somebody outside the fold, he will actually take a healthy version of that and reconnect people, and he'll use healthy community or healthy leadership to actually help heal a wound that was caused by something that was unhealthy. Let me show you that. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. He's saying, strengthen the weaker weaker members of the body. We all get there at, at times. We all need to be picked back up. We all need to be strengthened back up. We all get weak sometimes and tired and wore down. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. You see, the members of the body all heal properly when they're connected to the body as a whole. Because God's Spirit, as I said in the beginning, that unites us all, that's the life that's flowing through the entire body. It's the healing power, but through connection to the rest of the body, God actually does a healing work when members of the body are wounded. We've got to be joined in that place for that to happen. Wow. You know, this, this whole thing of the power of two or three, it really hit me hard um, last year, not quite a year ago, but sometime in the middle of last year. It was after a service, and I saw a group of ladies, and they were all giddy, and I could, just, I could see what that look was. It, was. it was a celebration of something, and I wanted to see what was going on, so I went over there, and I was talking to them. And I was like, hey, what's going on? You know, you guys seem all excited. And she's like, oh, pastor, it's so great news. Um, I can't remember who the, the family member or the child or whatever it was. It was like, you know, this, per- this person has returned to the Lord. They've come back. And there's this zeal and this celebration, which is awesome. Because I believe that, I believe that God wants, there, that there's a move God wants to do with prodigals coming home. I think that there's just such a witness to the secular world if prodigals start returning in masses and droves. But there was this example of that that had happened. I was like, man, that's fantastic. And then it was what she said next that I wasn't ready for. God just kind of like dropped in my spirit and he just began to water it and make it grow. She said, yeah, these couple of ladies right here We've been praying for weeks for this to happen together, and it happened. That's it. The power of two or three. These couple of people, these few ladies, they hooked in together. They dug their heels in. They stood some ground, and they began to be a symphony. They began to speak and declare and say the same things. And they were not easily moved. They stayed in that place for weeks. And then God brought the breakthrough. I think there's something to be said for that church. Who are the two or three who are praying for you and your household daily? You could send a prayer request in to us. And we will pray over that. And we've got a team of people. Listen to me when I say They will labor in prayer. And I mean that. They will labor in prayer over that. But I don't know how you feel. But how I feel is there are a few people 
that I want in my life that I am regularly asking for them to be praying for me, for our marriage, for our babies, for our kids, for protection. There's something significant to me about knowing that there are a few people who are so up close and personal in our life that heaven is constantly hearing prayers from my family. Who are the two or three who are praying for you daily? Not even weekly, daily. Because the power of two or three does much to advance God's purposes. Amen? Amen. By the way, you know that word amen means it is true. It means we agree. So whenever I say amen and I'm looking for an amen, this isn't a religious practice. I'm just looking for some agreement about what God is saying and what he's doing. So if you believe it, go ahead and say amen. And there's something happening, I believe, that's important and powerful and significant. Amen. All right. And so I'll I'll close with that. You know, what is God saying to you right now? How, how is he maybe uh, stirring you up to take some steps forward? Because unhealthy community can be just, can oppositely be destructive, right? If, if a blind person leads a blind person, they both fall in a hole. We know that, right? Evil company corrupts good character. We know that. So what is God saying to you? What are the next steps? Here's here's a few questions that I would ask you to consider. Always great questions coming into a year. We ask ourselves these questions as a staff and as a team. Is number one, what should I start doing that I'm not doing right now? What should I start doing? Number two, what should I stop doing that I'm doing that's probably not healthy? And number three, what should I keep doing? What should I continue on in? If you will actually spend some time praying and seeking the Lord in those three questions as it relates to this message today and what God's doing in your life, I believe with all my heart that God will lead you, that he will answer you, and he will direct your path. You'll have to take the steps. He won't force that. But I believe that he will lead you and guide you Because it it is not the will of God for us to be directionless. Wanderers, drifters. We are a people of destiny and purpose. God has a plan to take us somewhere. And all of us together, we are advancing God's kingdom with our individual lives. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. But guys, the bigger picture is we all fit together in one body to move the kingdom of God forward here on this earth until Jesus returns.